Open up that crystal Pepsi and get comfortable. This is Dope Nostalgia. Well, hello there and welcome to Dope Nostalgia's episode 94. This one's cool. We spoke with Marcella Detroit and Marcella is a member of the fantabulous group Shakespeare's Sister. She has her own new music coming out right now, a new album by the name of Gold, and we're going to tell you all about it. Here's a little more info to take you back and tell you about Shakespeare's sister. Wikipedia Moments. Shakespeare's Sister are an alternative pop and rock musical duo based in the United Kingdom that was formed in 1988 by singer-songwriter Siobhan Fay, a former member of Bananarama. Shakespeare's Sister was initially a solo act, but by 1989, it had become a duo with the addition of the American musician Marcella Detroit. Together, they released two top 10 albums and a string of top 40 hits, including this one, the 1992 hit Stay, which peaked at number one in the UK singles chart for eight consecutive weeks. Marcella had left the band in 1993, leaving Fahey as the sole member again until she ended the project in 1996. After working under her own name for some years, Siobhan Fahey revived the Shakespeare sister name in 2009. And then in 2019, Fahey and Detroit reunited as Shakespeare's sister for a tour and released a single called All the Queen's Horses and the EP called Ride Again. Marcella has a brand new record out called Gold. It's only available currently to order on her website if you go to www.marcelladetroit.rocks. We're going to be showcasing her brand new single, Alien to Me, a remix by Team 7th Heaven. And it's already reached number seven in the Music Week official pop charts. It's my pleasure and it's very exciting to introduce to you guys the fabulous Marcella Detroit. I want to talk a little bit about, of course, um, Shakespeare's sister and also the new album you have coming out called Gold, which I'm really excited to tell everybody about. Thank you. Yeah. Now, some of our listeners may not know how much songwriting you have done for yourself and other artists as well, and that you're very well established as a writer. Does your writing partnership with Richard Feldman still exist? Um, I haven't really written anything with Richard in... God, it's been quite a while. We, the last time I, I actually worked with him was on a project I was doing with someone else where he was producing it, but we haven't really written anything in a long time. I think since it was after the Shakespeare sister days, but um, I think when I did one of my, my blues albums called uh, The Upside of Being Down, I wrote a, um, a record with him and Toots from Toots and the Maytels wrote a song um, called Singin', Singin' the Blues. And it was a really cool song. We did it completely differently on my album, but uh, yeah, that's the last time we did any writing. And that was in 2006, I want to say. But we still, I saw him a few times during the pandemic, but he, they, he and his family got COVID and mm. I don't know. Yeah, I have for the last maybe five months. But we speak every once in a while. How have you been doing through this situation with the COVID? Well, we've been lucky. We've, we've been, as some people say, complying is a bad word. But to me, it's cooperation. Mm -hmm. Cooperating, I think, will help get this thing under control. And... Uh, and so far, my, my husband and my son and I have been okay. Yeah. We haven't gotten the virus. I realize it can happen to anyone, even if you're vaccinated. True. But we've been lucky. We've been super careful. And we're, we're vaxxers and maskers. And, you know, ever since it all started, we were, <clears throat> our, our son was living away from us. So I was concerned about him. He was in Arizona and uh very worried about him but he he was really smart and um and we've been really smart and really careful so thankfully we've been okay thank you i'm really glad to hear that 
Yeah, no, definitely. And it, it'll be interesting because we really want to get back to live music being the norm again as well. So, so we got to get, uh, get those shows started up again. Um, what's one of the favorite songs that you wrote for another artist? Are there any you regret giving away? <laughs> any that I regret giving away? That's, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't regret giving any of them away mm. um, because they're all happening in the moment. I don't think I was thinking, damn, I wish I kept that for myself because I did that a lot with some of my own songs. Um, I, I got asked by, by publishers to give away, you know, I have so-and-so would like to record your song. Do you want to? And I was like, no, no, that's for me. And in, in <laughs> hindsight, it was probably foolish on my part because if I would have had a well-known entity recording one of my songs, it would have only brought more interest to me. But I, mm. I always perceive myself as an artist in my own right, not just a songwriter. Mm -hmm. um, and I always had aspirations to do my own records, which I have done. This will be my eighth solo album that I'm releasing now. So I was a little bit stingy about wanting to give my songs away to other people because I wanted to do them, you know. Mm -hmm. um, in hindsight, maybe it would have been a, a better idea to be more open to that. But anyway, I can't change the past. That's what I did. And that's what I thought. And, and some of those songs I really love. There was a group in the eighties called, I think they were called Animotion. I remember the name. Yeah. And yeah. they wanted to do a song of mine that I really loved. Um, and uh, I was like, no, no, they can't, they can't do my song. So yeah. Anyway, it's just the way it happened. And, and I never actually released the song. So, no. You know, that's how these things go. You never know. You have all these, these dreams and these aspirations to do something and with all the best intentions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they just don't happen. Or you, it, another wave comes along that you decide to ride for a while and all these opportunities come your way. And you make choices as an artist and as a writer and mm -hmm. see where they might take you in order to get you to your destination. Sometimes they don't always get you right to that destination. You go like from point A to point C, that's where you mm -hmm. want to go, point A to point Z, but you end up going to all points in between. At least that's what I've done. It's been a quite a varied career. Absolutely. And it's nice. The journey in, in itself is nice to enjoy while it's happening too right so yeah yeah take it. well it's not for the faint and heart that's for sure <laughs> the first album that um came out as shakespeare's sister was uh sacred heart correct and right. it did quite well in the uk absolutely and what did you like most about that album hmm. well you brought up my friend richard feldman who i met when i was when i moved to tulsa like the first day i moved to tulsa oklahoma everyone's like why, why Tulsa? Well, it was a big music mecca at the time with Shelter Records, Leon Russell. But anyway, I met my friend um, Richard the day I moved to Tulsa because he was in Leon Russell's studio working and I sang on a few of his songs. And we've been friends ever since. Um, he moved out to LA about a year after I did because I'd lived in Tulsa for five years. And through that connection, I worked with Clapton and, and lots of great people. Leon Russell and uh, mm -hmm. and so Richard moved out here as well he had a studio in his home studio and and he introduced himself to he got these new neighbors one day he noticed that he got new neighbors and it was Dave Stewart of the Eurythmics and Siobhan Fahey of Shakespeare's sister or of Bananarama at the time mm -hmm. and um, he is the one who called me into after he wrote with her for a while he said, hey, you should come over and sing. I think your voices will work really well together. You can play instruments and write with us and do whatever you want. And so that's how it started. And I think my favorite thing about it was um, trying new things. I mean, what, what we were doing at the time, it was really different for all of us, not just for Siobhan, because she was at the helm and wanted to do something different. 
Richard and I wrote some, you know, bluesy kind of stuff, but some of the stuff we did was more experimental. Mm. Um, but with Siobhan, it was an opportunity for us all to try something different. She wanted to do something different from Bananarama. Richard was doing it, was being more experimental with his production, and I was getting to sing and 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 play more, you know, more of my more of the instruments, uh, guitar and harmonica and program, mm -hmm. whatever I did, whatever I brought to it. Um, so it was really fun experimenting, you know, and doing all these interesting things that were not really the norm for what I had done before. So it must have been exciting being in a project where did you get to feel like you uh, really got to um, experiment on that album itself or, and the second album as well? Yeah, well, just the nature of it was experimental. Um, and, and working with Siobhan was, was different, you know, than mm -hmm. I had experienced before being in a, in a band situation with just her and I. Although initially I wasn't really um, a part of the band. I was just, I was just considered a hired hand. Um, but it wasn't until the second album that I was, it was official that I was a 50% member. And yeah, we got to do some really, really fun experimental thing. But it was just she and I when we started that album in my home studio, which was, was about just a quarter mile down from where I am right now. Oh, wow. Yeah, we wrote everything there. We were inspired by this this B movie called Catwomen from the Moon, and uh, wanted to superimpose ourselves into it. Dave turned us on to the movie, and a lot of the songs were inspired by scenes from the movie. So yeah, it was experimental, and and I feel like that what we did, especially on the second album, was um, a lot of she and I experimenting, trying different things um, and we got a lot of help of course from some great musicians and Dave himself would pop in every once in a while and hear what we were doing and and help out occasionally like he helped write stay mm. yeah in the silence of your Obviously, this song takes off and it's massive even to this day. It's, you know, it's such a huge, huge song. And how did you create the concept for that video? I was just watching it again last night just to refresh myself. Um, and I was thinking, is Siobhan essentially the Grim Reaper? <laughs> well, she's the angel of death. And here's uh, what happened. But that When we wrote that song, you know, it was, it was, um, like I said, we wanted to buy the rights of the film and superimpose ourselves into it mm -hmm. um, and take on the characters of these cat women that were on the moon, right? Mm -hmm. And in this one scene, 
the character that I was going to portray, um, these earthlings came to the moon to visit and my character fell in love with one of them. So in this one scene, I was pleading with him not to go back to earth and stay with me. So we started writing that song. Dave came over one morning um, to my house, Dave and Siobhan, and uh, said, I've got this idea. You know how you do these ballads at our parties? Well, I've got this idea for a song for you. And he modeled this song for me and he sang the verse and, and when he, in the B section, he got to the chorus and I just started singing, stay with me, stay with me. Um, and then we, we finished it and the song, some people weren't happy with, with it, with the song. And especially Siobhan, she didn't, she didn't like the song. I didn't know that she didn't like it initially. So we rewrote it several times. Um, but ultimately what happened was um, we went back to the original when Chris Thomas was actually asked to produce it. And nobody could really, and, and then London Records insisted it was going to be a second single on the album, which we were all surprised about. I mean, when we, when we first wrote it um, and we played it over at Dave and Siobhan's house with Chris Thomas was there producing the, a record that Dave was doing called Spiritual Cowboys. And, um, mm. and we played it because we would go over there every day after we were, we were writing and play our little cassettes, you know, our, our demos of, of everything. And, um, mm. and we played Stay and Chris Thomas, you know, he's this iconic producer. He's produced The Pretenders, In Excess, I mean, Paul, mm. I mean, every, you know, some incredible stuff. He jumped up and he went, number one smash. And Siobhan and I were looking at each other like, what? Anyway, so I digressed a bit. They asked Chris to come in and produce the single. And he wanted all the all of the vocals and and work that I did on my little home studio, so I sent him everything, and um, and he mixed it. But your question was about the video. Um, nobody could come up with an idea. I mean, the song is odd. You know, here I am singing about oh please stay with me. In the second verse, if you don't stay with me, I'm gonna you know do these horrible things and then in in the middle eight where Siobhan comes in so there was this juxtaposition of you know good good and bad sweet and and um you know angry um mm. this longing and this kind of lust for you know wanting to take this this guy away you know you know kill him and take him away um, wanted him to die uh, so we were talking about ideas nothing seemed right and my my husband actually who who was a video director and videographer came with up with the concept that I am singing to someone who that I love who is dying and Siobhan is the angel of death and she comes into the song coming to take him away and then she and I have this fight, you know, this battle ensues, and in the end, uh, life wins. Mm -hmm. um, so we told Sophie Muller, who directed all our videos so brilliantly, she was a good friend and almost like a third member of the band. She understood us really well, and she and Siobhan were like best friends. Um, we told Sophie, you know, that my husband had an idea, and she come, came over one he told her about the idea and she was like, love it. So then she, you know, applied all her magic to it, you know, put it in the setting of us being on the moon, you know, with the comets going by every once in a while and we're on like on the space station. So yeah, that's how it all came about. It's a great, uh, great opening shot too with those comets and whatnot. It really catches your attention right off the bat. I like that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, now, what album track from Hormonally Yours would you say is one of your favorites that you'd wish maybe had been a single? Uh, well, Are We Love Yet? I always love that song. It's really simple, but it's very cool. It's very funky and it's rock and roll at the same time. Um, and in fact, it was talked about that being a single at one time, but it never happened. I loved it and everyone seems to love it when we do it. 
even on the, the reunion tour that we did in 2019. Mm. Um, people love the song. It's one of my favorites. It's very Sly Stone. You know. At what point during that relationship um, did you decide to do the first solo album? And was that the, the album called Jewel? Right. Well, um, when I signed the contract with, with Siobhan, it was written in my contract that I would be, a, I would be able to do a solo album. Um, there was no definite time when that was allotted to be. However, during all the promotion for Hormonally Yours, Siobhan said, you know, after this, I want to take a break and be with my family. You can do your own album then. I'm like, okay, great. So while we were on tour doing, you know, shows for Hormonally Yours, I was writing for my album that I, I knew I was going to do next. I knew that, that she was going to be taking time off to be with her family. Mm-hmm. So that's really simply how it happened and that was the album jewel was that the first one yeah okay and um tell me about working with the and recording a duet with elton elton john yeah well you know huh how did that come into play well it was because i was working with chris thomas on my solo album on my jewel album Mm. um we were like right very early days doing my album, about two weeks into it. And he got a call from Elton because he knew Elton and had worked with him many times before. And uh, Elton said, hey man, can you, uh, can you produce my duets for one album? This was this duets album that he was doing with lots of different artists that he was selecting. And, mm. and uh, Chris said, well, I can't because I'm doing Marcy's album. And he said, oh, well, I'd love to do a song with her. Have her pick a song. So Chris presented that to me and I, and I was quite honestly flattered. Yeah. You know, I used to go see him play when I was like, you know, 16 years old with fake ID. I'd go to these, you know, clubs and go see him play all the time. I was a huge fan. I had his albums and uh, so I suggested that we did the border song because I love that song and I love an Aretha Franklin version of that song which was very, very soulful. And I was hoping that we could do it kind of like that, but he didn't want to do that song. So he suggested, you know, come up with something else. So I suggested then, well, how about a Motown classic? How about Ain't Nothing Like the Real Thing? Mm-hmm. Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell. So that's what we ended up doing. And, and we laid down the, the track, um, me and um, the guys that were working on my album with Chris and, uh, and Alton came in and sang it with me, which was a real treat. And it ended up, initially, you know, it was only going to be on El- Elton's album, but um, London Records also wanted it on my album. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, that makes sense. Yeah, why not? I mean, have Elton John and I doing a duet on my album. That's, that's great. And I was truly grateful for it. At the time, I was thinking, well, does this really go with the rest of my album? But then I was like, what are you stupid? This is Elton John. This is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. And, and we got to, uh, we did Top of the Pops because um, it was a single, obviously. And we did Top of the Pops to promote it. Um, and then we went to Paris to do a show, which was stopped by this group called um, Act Up. They were like this, anti like there were these hiv activists and they stopped the show so we never got to go we never got to do the song 
they stopped oh, the show yeah. at about eight and we were waiting around till around midnight and we were all like backstage. Liza Minnelli was there and she was completely drunk out of her mind by midnight. And, uh, and then Elton said, I've got to go. I have to catch uh, Concord to go to New York tomorrow. So, so he left and we never got to do that performance, but he was a really wonderful and wonderful to work with and wonderful to me. friends, you know what I really love doing is podcasting. It's so much fun and I've been so lucky because I've talked to amazing people so far doing this show and I'm trying to bring you guys the very best content I can. Now in doing that it does get kind of expensive and I'm on a little bit of a budget to do so but there's a way you guys can help out and it's called Patreon. If you visit our Patreon page you can subscribe to our podcast and get all kinds of ultimate perks just for subscribers. There's different tiered levels, so you can join for only $1 a month if you'd like. What's in it for you? Bonus content. We'll give you a shout-out on the show. We're going to be recording all kinds of super secret stuff just for our Patreon subscribers. And in doing that, in subscribing, you're going to help us pay the bills. Help me pay my phone bill when I'm calling people far away for an interview. Help us pay for our licensing fees so we can play you awesome music clips and so much more to help keep this boat afloat. Join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dope nostalgia. Punctuation. And with you and Siobhan, and you hadn't seen each other in 25 years, and you uh, came back together in 2019, what was the catalyst there that drove you to reunite? Well, in 2018, um, see, I didn't know about this, but my husband was really sneaky. He had a clandestine meeting with Siobhan in around 2012 to kind of see where she was at. I had reached out to her over the years saying, hey man, if you wanna get together and talk about it, you know, maybe we can work it out. Maybe we can be friends. Maybe we'll still be enemies. I don't know, but you know, let's get together and talk. And somebody gave me her email address. And once I had a response from her um, that said, and I said, look, I don't know what you're so upset about because a friend of mine told me they saw her and she was saying all these things about me. And I was like, okay, come on, this has got to stop. Um, or at least, you know, let's sit down and talk about it and have it out. End up as friends or, you know, not. Um, so I said, I don't know what I, what I did, but I, I would really like to sit down and talk with you. And uh, in fact, one of the last things she said to me before the band split up was, one day I'd like to sit down with you and talk to you and have a cup of tea and be your friend 
And that's pretty much it verbatim, right? Didn't quite go that way, um, unfortunately. But so I contacted her and she said, oh, in in so many words, she said, oh, yeah, well, I've left all that behind me. But obviously she didn't. She said, oh, well, you know, sometimes I get to L.A., so maybe I'll I'll reach out when I'm there. But, you know, then I guess it was eight years, six years later, um, my husband, because he had had this meeting with her, never told me about it until after the fact, um, and realized that now she's she is not ready to to talk to you. (laughs) Um, I. I, my husband got a call from her manager and he said, uh, just wondering if um, I could talk to Marcy about possibly setting up a meeting between her and Siobhan to just have a chat. And I, you know, my husband told me about, it. He, you know, he got the call and he said, you would never believe the call I just got. I'm like, wow, wow. that's unusual, okay. So I said, sure. And then I had a chat with him and he said, I'd like to set up this meeting with, with you and Siobhan um, just to have a chat and see about potentially, well, first of all, see if you could even be in the room together you know, and, and see what comes from that. Maybe doing like a, a, a tour or something. So I said, okay. I didn't really know what to expect, but um, I always joke about it when people ask me. I said, I brought my boxing gloves. I kept them in the car just in case. (laughs) It didn't come to that. But I'll tell you what was really interesting about it was that she started kind of relaying all these things that were her perceptions of, of what happened. And it was great to be able to go, well, no, that's not, that's not what happened. Here's, here's what happened from my side of the story. Mm-hmm. And then vice versa, you know, she said that to me as well. So we were able to clear up misconceptions and basically what it was, there were, there were a lot of people in between us stopping the flow of communication, um, which didn't really help. You know, she had her own managers and believe it or not, I had my own manager. I had somebody looking out for me because when I initially started out with Shakespeare's sister, her management was not looking out for me. Like they left me stranded at hotels and not paid for the bills. And I was like, oh my God, this is ridiculous. This is really amateur. So I need somebody to look out for me. Mm-hmm. So um, I understand how that could have been um, a problem, you know, but it's what I felt was necessary because I needed to look out for myself um, because nobody else was. Um, so yeah, it was really good to be able to go, well, no, that's not exactly what happened. She's, she said to me, what oh, was your idea? You wanted to write a song called Stay. I'm like, no, it was not my idea. You and your husband came over to my house that morning, that Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. and woke me up and Dave said, hey, I have this great idea for a song for you to sing for the album. Um, and like I told you, I listened to it and we just started writing it. So I got to clear that up. It was not my idea. And I didn't insist upon it. Mm. It was just, you know, a song that took on a life of its own. And then the label wanted it to be a single, um, Mm -hmm. which we were all surprised about. Siobhan wasn't happy about it, but then it became our biggest hit. And, you know, it's just really a shame that at the time, because I always call it the best of times and the worst of times, yeah. like the F. Scott Fitzgerald book. You know, because things between us were so bad. <laughs> it, was, it was really bad. Um, I can understand it on one hand, but on the other, if we, if we both could have been more grateful about this incredible journey that we were about to go on, because it was a real journey. And this song, like, was a record, I think it was a record-breaking number one for a female band up until maybe last year. You know, it was hold, held the longest-running number one for eight weeks. That's um, incredible. It was incredible. I mean, it, 
we were surprised, you know, I just kept climbing up the charts and then we were doing this big show, Top of the Pops, which is like, I don't know if you, you're in Canada, right? I'm in Canada. Yeah. We've heard of it, but we don't have it airing here. Right. Right. Well, you probably have a similar show where every week you have top 40 bands on doing their songs. Yeah. Um, we did, but you know, I think there's not a lot for music TV anymore. Have you noticed that uh, like we used oh. to have a, a whole station yeah, like, that was much like MTV called much music doesn't yeah. play music anymore. Right. Yeah. Same with MTV here. It's such a, so bizarre, isn't it? A lot of reality yes. TV shows. And, and I mean, the whole, I think the whole concept of a variety show that was really prominent in like seventies, eighties, nineties, we don't have much of that now, except maybe some of the afternoon talk shows. They usually have musical guests. Yeah, I don't. I never watch those. And then we have the the night show, the late night shows as well that have musical guests on. But I like watching that uh, Graham Norton. I catch him on YouTube. Yeah, he's funny. He's great. Yeah, we did that show went for our reunion. Um, Siobhan and I we did that back in twenty nineteen. Yeah. So once you guys had that chat and you got it all out in the air and kind of hopefully cleanse the palate at that time, then is that when you decided, hey, let's do this again? Well, the first, the first meeting, I have a hard time. I, I have a hard time lying. Oh yeah, that was really great. <laughs> I don't know. My mother was like one of the most honest people I ever met and really to almost- It's a good thing. Well, I don't know. Yes and no. But yeah, some people, I think- Some people don't appreciate bluntness sometimes. Like- or, or when some people don't want to be called out on their truth. Yeah. So, so it can be tough. I understand that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody likes to, it's hard to not get defensive, but mm -hmm. sometimes it's maybe the only way to move forward, you know? True. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that that meeting for me was okay. Well, we got to clear that stuff up, mm -hmm. but Siobhan made it quite clear at the end of the meeting if we do anything further, she said, I have to be the front person. Mm. Yeah. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not sure exactly what that means because she always was the front person. It was always her band. I just sang one song <laughs> that mm. was the biggest hit. And I never had a problem with that, you know? And I appreciated all the attention we got. And because of, you know, her you know, fame with, with Bananarama. Um, so I was like, all right, well, I don't know what that means exactly, but so initially it was, it was thought, well, we'll just, maybe we'll do a reunion tour. Mm. Um, but then this fortuitous uh, a moment came along when that summer, I met with her in May of 2018, and that summer I was going to England to do a um, to do a residency at a cool club in Canary Wharf called Boysdale, mm. which Jules Holland is like a patron of, of that club, and sometimes he's there and stuff. So, and then also I my my old boss Eric Clapton was there doing the summer you know Hyde Park Summer Festival, and and I reached out to him uh, through a mutual friend and I said, Hey, I'm going to be in London. You're doing that festival. I would love to join you on stage. And we hadn't been on stage together since 1985. So wow. Eric said, yeah, he would love to have me join him. So, so there we were in Hyde Park with 75,000 people. <laughs> and he, and we did two of the songs that I wrote with Eric, um, laid on Sally in the core. And that was so much fun. Mm. Um, such an incredible cathartic experience to be on stage with him again. And, and Siobhan was in London at the time too. So we had a meeting with her and my husband and, uh, and her manager. And we talked about, you know, doing this possible tour. I don't know if it was gonna be like one of those retro tours or, or something like that. Um, but my husband said, because, you know, he was really around when all this stuff was going on, all everything, all this creativity, you know, he helped with, the, his name is Lance Aston, by the way, I'm saying my husband, my husband, his name is Lance Aston. He was a child actor and a 
incredible dancer and singer. He's in the movie Oliver, singing in the soundtrack. I mean, it's just incredibly talented, very creative. So he was with us at the meeting and he said, why don't you guys, instead of just doing this retro kind of, you know, tour, all these dates, why do you see if you can, you still had that magic and that connection to write? Mm. And we both were like, wow, now that is a good idea. What if we could do, you know, write some new music? So we, we discussed it briefly and uh, we both realized how much we love the desert here in California, Joshua Tree. We love it up there. Mm. Um, so we worked it out and she had a friend who had a, um, an Airbnb right out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, this place is very secluded. And I brought my little studio set up. We met in October and, and we just started writing. Mm. And we wrote and wrote. And the first song we wrote was our first single, All the Queen's Horses. Yeah, so we still have that magic. That's incredible. Mm. Yeah, no, it was it was wonderful to see you back together and making new music. Um, I kind of wanted to focus on the operatic side of your singing too. I know that you've explored that. You were part of a, a show, pop star to opera star. And yeah. how much have you explored singing in that style? Not much. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's not, to me, I remember when I was doing the show and, and they gave me the most difficult arias. Um, but they were all so beautiful and rewarding to sing. Um, mm. But this one song from Madame Butterfly, Un Belle I used to say to myself, okay, just think of the highest note you possibly can to start singing a song on. And that was that song. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And as a kid, I played violin, so I love classical music. And I can read, you know, um, mm -hmm. violin here, which is in quite ill repair if they need some attention. Um, but I really, I enjoyed it, but there was no room for improvisation mm. in opera. And um, I noticed that right away because when I went, I veered off the melody slightly in one of the songs during rehearsals, the, I got verbally, you know, finger slapped. Oh no, we don't do that with opera. So ah. I was like, okay, I'll save that to my, you know, my R&B and soul stuff and rock and roll because, sorry, my nose is bothering me. Um, yeah, I'll save that for, you know, my own music. And I was asked by this one manager, very influential, said, do you want to do an opera album? Uh, and I said, knowing how pernickety the, the classical world is, some upstart suddenly decides she's going to be an opera singer. They wouldn't take it too well unless I was really serious and wow. everything I do I, I I'm I completely immerse myself in it and I'm completely authentic about it so I just said you know I don't think so only because it would take a lot of my time to actually do something that's good I don't don't, don't just want to dump in jump in and do something that is half-assed I don't know yep. say ass on your show you so can. Just, <laughs> ask. Oh. Um, no, I don't have Tourette's, but uh, yeah, I, I just said, I just, I think it might be a little disingenuous of me. And that's not to say that I don't love doing what I'm doing right now and what I'm experiencing. Because as a kid, if you told me I was going to be singing with a 30 piece orchestra, every Friday night and singing to supposedly 4 million people live, I wouldn't have believed it, but I would relish the opportunity to do so. Mm. Um, my first instrument I wanted to play was harp and I got to perform with a harpist. I did Ave Maria with just me and a harpist, which was mm. one of the most beautiful moments I can remember. So it was very, very rewarding, but it, was, it also was hard. <laughs> Not that I don't like a challenge, I do. And I proved to myself, damn, you can rise to a challenge. I mean, that was difficult. Those songs, we get the songs on a Sunday and they were usually in, in a different language. Luckily, I'm, I'm not a, you know, a language phobe. I, 
I spoke Spanish as a kid. I, I studied it for six, six years in school and it's a Latin based language. So I understood I could get around the Italian, I could get around the Latin, um, but mm -hmm. when they gave me some German songs, I was like, oh man. That one's tough. Couldn't break through that barrier. To, and I had to have like a, a German um, translator and somebody who worked with, with German, because some, some of the language in this one song, um, Mein Herr Marquis, from the like, Fledermaus or something, I, Fleda, I can't remember even. See, that's how devoted I am not to that category of music, although I truly respect it. And what it takes to be able to do it, it's a whole other world. But I remember um, at the end of the show during the, the finale, Alan Titzmarsh, who was hosting it, after, you know, they announced the winner and we were all there, you know, celebrating. Alan invites me on stage. I was kind of embarrassed, but he, he invited me to be like front and center with him. He said, Marcella, please tell us you're going to do an opera album. And I was kind of hesitant to go up. And I finally, and I went, Alan, thank you so much. I thoroughly enjoyed this, but I can't wait to get back to my room and listen to some James Brown. Ah. <laughs> I like to improvise, so I found it all to be a little too um, by rote. Of course, you could put your your emotion in, into it. Like when I sang Casta Diva, it was it was a truly emotional experience for me, and also Umbeldi. It was it was incredibly fulfilling, but I didn't feel like I could give my heart and soul into it as much as I could doing what I feel like I was made to do and what I, you know, what I'm truly best at, so. See, I always imagined that it would be very emotional to perform because in a lot of settings, you're actually telling a story. So you yeah. would have to be, you know, laying it bare. But at the same time, there's probably so much technique involved that finding the balance would be interesting. It's both. Mm -hmm. it's all of the above. It, and, and not only that, it's, you know, it's the audience. That's another factor being there. Um, but it's just being completely interested and ensconced in what it is you're trying to say through the music to the words. You know, if you, if you don't have that connection, then you might as well just be singing la, 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 la. You could do that with emotion, you know, la, 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 or la, 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 la. You know, there's a big difference. It's just what you're trying to say with these sounds that you make with your body, with your, with your voice, with your mind, with your heart and soul. Mm. That's what it's really about. How have you taken care of your voice? And uh, especially when during touring, well, do you have any, any rituals or anything that you do to take care of your instruments? It's so hard. It's, it's really hard because, um, everything you eat, you know, how hydrated you are, the environment that you're in, whether it's like really dry or a lot of moisture, um, your, your, your mental state, you know, being calm and relaxed, it all has an effect on your voice. Mm -hmm. At least it does for me. I can't speak for everyone, but it's something that I noticed about myself. So usually on important day shows, uh, I would not talk at all because talking is can actually be harder on the voice than singing, depending on how you're talking. You whispering know? is bad, right? Whispering is not good. Everyone thinks, oh, it's better to whisper, but it's not really because you're forcing this air through. It's better to talk with, with proper placement, mm -hmm. you know, making sure you're not talking deep down in your throat. So it sounds like that. But, yeah. um, yeah, it's better to talk with proper placement and just not as much of it, you know, save your voice for your performance. So yeah, a lot goes into it, a lot of preparation, getting the getting your head there, getting your getting your voice there, warming up, eating and drinking the right things and doing whatever it is you need to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's pretty standard, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Especially the uh, drinking part cuz yeah, it's kind of hard to sing after a few beers or whiskey sometimes. 
Well, and some people do it quite well, but I'm not sure opera singers would. No. Um, I realized earlier, or very early on in my career that um, when you, you know, if, if you're a little bit out of it and you're singing and you think you sound really good and somebody gives you a tape of what you just did that you thought was so great and you listen to it and you go, oh my God, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> And then I vowed, okay, I'm never having a drink or taking anything before I do a show mm. um, because it affects you. It affects your, you know, control and your pitch and your awareness. Mm. Yeah. It's me pretty, pretty sober and, and boring, but somebody's no. got to do it. You got to do it. You got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the album Gold. And the current project you're working on, because we want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to hear some of the new music you're putting out. It's called Gold, because I'm celebrating 50 years in music. I can't believe it. That's incredible. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. I'm a 69-year-old woman. I used to not want to tell people my age because, you know, it's a very ageist world that we live in, um, mm. especially in the music business. But I think generally our society in the Western society, it's, it's pretty ageist, especially against women. Mm -hmm. um, and I've experienced a lot of ageism and sexism throughout my career. Um, this album, like I said, is called Gold because it's celebrating my 50 years in music, but it's also about, it's also a song on the album, which is a celebration of, um, the special relationship that I have with my husband. Like he and I are precious. We've been together a long time and I wanted to write something to dedicate to us, to him. And I started writing this album right after the pandemic hit. Actually, I lied. Right before the pandemic, after Shakespeare's Sister ended, the, the tour ended in 2019, it was in November, I came home on the tour and I was beat up. I was so tired. We both, we both caught something from somebody on the road. So I was recovering from that for about a month. I was just in bed, my husband bringing me, you know, food and drink and I'm like, felt terrible. Um, so once I started feeling better, of course, I started writing because that's what I do. And that's what I love to do more than anything. So I just started writing. I wrote a few, like maybe two songs, and then the pandemic hit in March. And the last person my husband and I saw before the pandemic, the night before, was Siobhan. We actually went over to her house and helped her set up a recording system that she just got for herself. Mm. And we had dinner with her, and we, you know, explained to her how to, you know, use some of the equipment. And the next day, it was lockdown. So really the only way for me to deal with what, what was going on outside was to be creative. Mm. And I just, um, I wrote over 70 songs in the last, um, since March, was March the 20th or March the 14th when we officially went down. Um, I wrote Same over here. 70 songs and I, I'm with a publisher called Peer Music UK and, and they, were sending me briefs of songs to write for, for other artists. The, the guy that signed me to the label said, or to not label, sorry, the publisher said, I'm going to help you get a record deal. We're going to, you know, so, you know, remember, we're going to do that. And, and meanwhile, I'd be getting briefs to write songs for other, for other artists and for TV and film. So I was writing a lot of songs with, with that in mind, with specific briefs in mind, which are outlines of, you know, the kind of music that, music supervisors of each project. They, they look for a certain thing for the song and, and for the project, and it's gotta be about certain things and blah, blah, blah. Mm. So I was writing for that, some of those songs in mind, but then um, I started writing some songs for myself and I realized I, you know, I'm starting to write all these songs for myself. I'm feeling really inspired. It's really the only thing that's keeping me in, like sane. Country was in such a state, and we had no real leadership. It was it was yep. a joke. So um, I just ended up being really creative, and 
And I guess it was, I want to say, at the beginning of this year when I realized, well, I have all these songs and, and we're just going to, you know, call them and pick the ones that we feel are the strongest for the album that all sound, you know, cohesive. And then I um, decided, well, it can't just be 10 songs. There's like at least 20 songs that I want to be on the album. And uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really excited about it. And it's been quite a journey. I've met some incredible people along the way. And I've had, I had uh, one of my singles called Alien to Me, to Me, Alien to Me, mixed by this incredible team called Seventh Heaven Remix and Productions. And they've done mixes for like everyone from Kylie Minogue to Ariana Grande and lots of people. So I met them through mutual friends uh, online and um, and they did a mix of it for me. And Thursday, and I have no idea what's gonna happen this week, but it entered this chart in Music Week magazine at number 29. And I thought, oh, well, it's gonna drop out. And next, the next week it went to number 22. And now this past Thursday, it went to number seven. Now that is in, yeah, thank you. It's in a commercial, it's in Music Week magazine, which is an industry standard magazine um, that keeps track of all the charts. Um, and this is a commercial pop chart. So yeah, I have no idea what's gonna happen. It, I'm just honored and flattered that it's, uh, that it's up there. And now my, and my album, Gold, is available to order on my site at marcelladetroit.rocks. And every week, my husband has been adding new songs, um, songs that people have never heard before, or demos of songs that people never heard before. Um, there are over 180 songs up there, actually 240 songs up there right now. Some of them you can buy, some of them you can just listen to. So there's even some free downloads. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's... So, and you can order my album there. Oh, you've got a kitty. Yeah, she decided she couldn't stay away. <laughs> what color she are has... her eyes? She's got green eyes, two green oh. eyes and a, and a white. What's her name? Lady Mew Mew. <laughs> I was going through a Lady Gaga phase when I named her. Oh, Lady Mew Mew. I like it. <laughs> Hello, Lady. I used to have a white cat just like that, but she had one green eye and one blue eye. Really? Yeah. What was her name? Her name was um, Sassy. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a cat person for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, so the, the website obviously has many songs continuously being added to it. Yeah, well, I mean, there's 240 up there right now and there's still more that, that we're going to upload. But, you know, I've also, during this time, I've also written an autobiography. So oh, wonderful. My, my autobiography is up there, my new album, all these new songs. There's a t-shirt. Um, people, I've had loads of people already, we did like a pre-order where we were offering like a package deal where you get the album, you get the t-shirt, you get the autobiography, you get a Zoom chat with me. Um, but we, that's now, we've discontinued that pre-order thing but people can still buy you know they can still get the album and they can get the t-shirt and the autobiography so it's all up there that sounds like a must for all of the fans out there so I'm glad we were able to get people to uh your website and of the songs on the new album I'd like to play one of them on the show do you have one in specific that you would have in mind that you'd like me to play um well you could play alien to me do you have a copy of that not yet yeah Oh, not yet. Okay, well, I can send you, uh, I can probably send you a WAV or an MP3, whatever you prefer. MP3 is fine. Okay. Yeah, it'll it'll email nicely too. Wonderful, Great. thank you. So before we wrap things up, I was also going to ask you one last question. Have you ever been up to Canada? Yeah, well, you know, I, I'm from Detroit and I um, I used to uh, go to Windsor all the time. It was just just across the, the river. Yeah. But also we'd go to Toronto, but I've, I've toured. I've played in a few spots like um, Edmonton. That's where I'm from. Oh, really? I'm Is in that Edmonton. where you are now? Yes. 
Wow. I remember being there in the winter and it was really cold. It's brutal. <laughs> I don't, I always ask myself, why do I stay here year after year? Well, yeah. It's got its own, it's got its own magic to it. <laughs> it's in your home. It's your home. So it's in your blood, right? That's right. Oh, so, yeah. That's cool. So you did yeah. a lot of touring up here? Sorry? Did a lot of touring up here? Not a lot, really. I mean, I've, I've worked up there with um, with Eric, with Clapton. Um, mm -hmm. The Shakespeare sister, I believe we came to Toronto, but with Eric, I we went to Vancouver um, and Edmonton. And let's see, where else did we go? Well, I've been to Montreal. Absolutely mm -hmm. beautiful. I love it. Absolutely love it. I did the... the um, the jazz festival there with my friend Corky Siegel, who mm. has played there a few times. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's beautiful. I'd like to spend more time up yeah. there. Come up the next summer, maybe. Nice. Yeah, I'm a summer kind of girl. I, mm -hmm. I, don't, I love fall. Fall is a nice time mm -hmm. and spring, but winter, eh, not so much. Do you get the change of the seasons and the leaves and such in California during the fall? Not quite as notably as, as you do there. I mean, we do get, you know, like yesterday we had a, a rainstorm here. It was raining really, really hard. It's very early for us for the rains to start. Mm. Um, but we do, we get rain and, and our like our coldest day would probably be like a spring day for you there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got spoiled um, here really spoiled well i'll have to come visit california sometime yeah one day. Should. It's some i want to thank you so much marcella for taking the time to talk to me today and you're looking fantastic i hope you take care likewise you too take care be well and be safe will do all right bye all right. bye say bye lady Mew Mew. <laughs>
lots of thoughts can do. They'll never catch me. <laughs> Unless you follow us on Twitter at Nostalgia Dope. Instagram at Dope underscore Nostalgia. Visit our website at www.dopenostalgia.com or pick up the phone and call us at 780-851-8785 and cut it out. This podcast is licensed by SoCan because we believe that artists should be paid for their work.